Hello once again, everybody. Thank you for joining me in the Betters Box. This is bangthebook.com's MLB betting podcast for Thursday, August 6th. I'm your host, Adam Burke. This and every edition of the Betters Box presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB and the number 200 is that promo code. 100% deposit match bonus for the Sportsbook. 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. Daily Picks and Tips article goes up every day over at bangthebook.com. Things got off to a great start in July. Things have been awful in August. Hopefully that changes here today, but you can get that article and that information every day over at the website. We're also still covering UFC, golf, NASCAR, NHL, NBA, all those sports betting markets over at bangthebook.com as well. And while you're there, make sure you check out our sportsbook reviews. NFL, college football seem to be coming here very, very soon. Obviously, we've got everything that's been going on for the last week, week and a half. It's a good time to be organized with those sports betting accounts. So check out our sportsbook reviews. See if any of those tickle your fancy. Get exclusive sign-up and deposit promo codes from us over at bangthebook.com. So make sure you check those out. Also, we're getting around to the NFL season, as I mentioned. That means the contests, the Circus Sports Million, the Last Man Standing Survivor Contest, and, of course, the Westgate Super Contest. Vegas Maddie over at footballcontest.com does a phenomenal job as our proxy service. Uh, if we get into the contests here this year, we'll be using them once again. Still just waiting to see what happens with the upcoming NFL season. But if you want to dive in to any of those contests out in Las Vegas and you do not live in the state of Nevada, you will need a proxy to put in your picks for you. Nobody better than Vegas Maddie and Tony over at footballcontest.com. Lastly, a quick show here today. I've got an afternoon commitment, so not going to run very long with this edition of the Betters Box. We'll be back again on Monday with another Monday Mailbag segment and probably a little bit more in-depth analysis. But several points I wanted to touch on here today, again, in a little bit of a shorter period of time. To this point, offense around the league remains pathetic. Total batting average of 230, 311 on base, 392 slugging percentage, just a 309 weighted on base average, which suggests that you know we're not seeing a whole lot of extra base hits here in Major League Baseball. We're not seeing a whole lot of contact quality. We're not seeing a whole lot of batted ball luck. We're just not seeing a whole lot of offense here at this point in time. And, you know, again, a lot of people jumping on first five under trains and all that kind of thing. Those have been very, very profitable here so far because these offenses just are not performing as expected. 23.8% strikeout percentage that has gone down a little bit. 9.3% walk rate that has also gone down a little bit. So those two metrics are normalizing slightly here at this point in time, but still the big takeaway for me over the first couple of weeks of the season here is that we are just not seeing the same level of offense that we're accustomed to seeing. 1,451 runs to this point, 230 solo homers, 114 two-run homers, 45 three-run homers, seven grand slams, 621 runs as a result of the long ball here so far this season. So you know, make of that what you will. But again, a lot of teams just not manufacturing innings at this point in time. Not a t- We've seen the home run power, but we haven't seen a lot of singles, doubles, and triples to this point. So you know, again, you got to kind of make some adjustments here. And maybe that's something that I haven't quite done in the month of August to this point. 
Something else that's really, really interesting to me is that for like eight or nine straight years, the first inning had been the highest scoring inning. You know, there have been a lot of prop bets, yes, no, first inning score, all those kinds of things. And as I just mentioned, first five unders have been very, very good here so far this season. When you look at scoring by inning this year, the fourth inning is the highest, followed by the fifth inning, then the seventh inning, the sixth inning is the fourth highest scoring inning, then the third inning, then the eighth inning, and then the first inning. So over the last several years, the first inning has been the highest scoring inning. This year, it ranks seventh. Now, of course, we have seen some openers. We have seen some piggyback situations and stuff like that. But the fact of the matter is that based on what we're seeing here so far through about two weeks worth of games, hitters just aren't prepared. You know, whether it's a game plan thing, whether they're not adjusting to the usage changes for the pitchers, and I'll talk about that here in a minute, whatever the case may be, hitters are not prepared at the outset of these games. Hitters in innings one through three batting 220 with a 297 on base and a 375 slugging percentage. In the middle of the game, hitters batting 251 with a 327 on base, 434 slugging for innings four through six, and then 219, 307, 364 in innings seven through nine. Of course, by and large, those are off of the team's primary relievers. So it is very interesting to me that so far this season, the fourth, fifth, seventh, and sixth have been the four highest scoring innings. And again, what that probably speaks to is that you know, pitchers are going a second and third time through the order. Maybe they're kind of tiring out a little bit. Maybe hitters finally making some of those adjustments. Also, a lot of pitchers being pulled earlier on than usual in the fourth and fifth inning. Teams don't want to use their primary relievers in those spots. So they're using kind of you know their 13th, your their 12th or 13th relievers on the depth chart, something like that. But early on in games here, scoring has been at a minimum. And again, like I said, a lot of teams running some pretty substantial trends with the first five unders here so far this season. We are on track for the lowest ground ball percentage in Fangraph's batted ball data history. That goes back to 2002. So again, we've got a lot of people adopting that launch angle generation mindset. Everybody's a launch angle disciple. They're trying to elevate the baseball here. Also, we've seen a lot of pitchers shy away from the sinker. Most pitchers are throwing their sinkers a lot less this season. Those are the pitches that generally tend to induce the most ground balls, but also have been the worst pitches league-wide. Offensive players do very well against sinkers. A lot of teams have gotten rid of those. So we're on track for the lowest ground ball percentage for really two reasons. One, hitters are trying to elevate. Two, Pitchers are throwing a lot fewer sinkers here at this point in time. And we have seen the fly ball increase. We have seen the line drive increase a little bit this season. Home run per fly ball percentage is down 1.7% from 2019. And that includes the highest pull percentage since the steroid era. Since 2005, we've got the highest pull percentage in Major League Baseball, but we're not seeing the home runs. Put all of this together, and I do think that at this point in time, we can't definitively say that the baseball is unjuiced or dejuiced relative to where it was last season, but that very much right now appears to be the case to me. 
Now, again, hitters are still trailing behind pitchers. That is still a thing. We see that with the higher strikeout rate. We see that with lower contact quality in general. But it would also seem that the ball is deader. You know, we don't have as much high exit velocity contact here so far. And again, that could be part and parcel with the weird lead up to the season and stuff like that. But I also think that it is an indication that the ball is deader. Last year, we saw the ball really jumping. Last year on batted balls of 95 plus miles per hour, the league batted 540. To this point, on batted balls of 95 plus miles per hour, the league is batting 502. Last year, batted balls of 95 plus miles per hour had a 670 weighted on base average. This year, we're down at 628. So, you know, this is one of those scenarios to me where it looks like the ball is a little bit deader. And again, Hitters are behind pitchers. We've seen that kind of bear out through the data that we've seen so far. But one of the things that was discussed last year is that maybe the core of the baseball was compacted a little bit more. The seams were a little bit different. So we're seeing kind of more carry, maybe a little bit less resistance on the baseball. It seems like based on the data we're seeing here so far, the baseball is different in 2020. So with that in mind, you have to kind of adjust your projections a little bit. Again, pitchers are throwing you know, their worst pitches less often. Hitters are not making the same quality of contact. So if you're looking at you know, offensive-minded teams or offensive-minded matchups, something like that, you probably need to make some adjustments. And that is something that I will be looking to do here over the next few days, having a chance to look at some of this data, getting two weeks' worth of data, and having a better idea of what we're looking at here in the 2020 season. Something else, too, it's not just exit velocity, it's pitch velocity as well. Last year, on pitches of 95-plus miles per hour, hitters batted 249 with a 322 Woba. This year, they're batting 236 with a 309 Woba. Now, sometimes the pitcher will produce the power for exit velocity by throwing really, really hard. Maybe that still ends up being the case as hitters get their timing down and all of that. But again... The fact that, you know, we started this season in the hottest time of the year where the ball should carry a lot more than it would at the outset of a 2019 season or something like that. And again, I'm pulling full season data versus these two weeks of data here. Uh, So maybe the sample sizes are a little bit skewed, but we're not seeing the carry. We're not seeing the exit velocity. We're not seeing the hard hit rates. We're not seeing a lot of the things that would generate offense. So Again, at this point in time, first five unders have been very, very good. Full game unders have been pretty good as well. And there are a lot of different reasons for that. One other thing I wanted to mention here is that we are also seeing far and away the lowest percentage of fastballs, really in probably the history of baseball. Fangraphs is at 49.8% on fastballs, and that includes four seam, two seam, and sinkers in that fastball bucket. That's down 10% since 2010. The highest rates ever per pitch info solutions based on the data that's at Fangraphs for changeups, sliders, and curveballs. Highest usage rates ever on those three pitches. So again, pitchers are throwing fewer fastballs. And when you look at year-over-year data, when it comes to Major League Baseball, fastballs always get hit the hardest and hitters have the most success against them. Against change-up sliders and curveballs, 
you make a lower quality of contact. Those pitches slide off the barrel. They have, you know, later movement to them, stuff like that. So what we're seeing here is that hitters simply are not making the quality of contact for a variety of different reasons. Pitch usage, uh, probably the baseball, the weird lead up to the season, all those types of things. But I don't know if this changes here over the course of this 60-game sprint because, again, pitchers are just throwing fewer fastballs. They're throwing pitches that induce weaker contact and also induce more swing and miss more often than not. When you look at whiff rates for things like change-up sliders and curveballs, across the board, they are substantially higher than they are for fastballs, and in particular, for sinkers. So we're in a, an offensive environment right now where the ball does appear to be deader, where the hitters are not making the same quality of contact, where hitters are swinging and missing more often because of the arsenal usage of opposing pitchers. I don't think this changes here for this 60-game sprint. And quite frankly, when we get to 2021, if the ball isn't playing differently, then this will be the thing. We will get a lot of lower offensive numbers, a lot of lower scoring games. And to a degree, the odds makers have adjusted a little bit with certain teams in particular. But, you know, again, this is just one of those things where I think it may take some time to realize that, you know what, we will not have the same offensive season in 2020 that we've had over the last few years. And one other thing worth mentioning here, excuse me, is that when you look at the teams that are off to really bad starts offensively, they are teams that are utilizing high platoon percentages. I think I may have talked about this on Monday. If I didn't, I apologize. But teams like the Indians and the Pirates and the Diamondbacks, they're getting platoon advantages in a lot of their plate appearances. The Brewers are another one. But, of course, the Brewers missing some games due to COVID. Uh, you know, I kind of leave them out of the sample here. But teams that are using high percentages of platoon plate appearances. So that means a right-handed batter versus a left-handed pitcher or a left-handed batter against a right-handed pitcher. Those offenses are struggling quite a bit. And that has historically not been the case. More often than not, when you look at platoon advantage usage, it winds up being something that's a big positive for a lot of teams that are out there, and in particular, the smaller market teams. Teams like the A's, teams like the Indians, teams that you know don't have a lot of financial resources, but they cobble together high-quality players by putting two guys together and utilizing their strengths. Well, so far here, that hasn't worked this season. And I think part of that is because of the limited reps going into the year, and then limited reps, of course, going into the season where you may only play two or three days a week, depending on how the starting pitchers that you're facing wind up falling. So that's something that's been worth watching as well, is that these teams that actually just have a more consistent lineup day in and day out have had more success. And I also think part of this too is that, again, you're seeing less fastball usage. And one of the big advantages as a platoon hitter is that generally speaking, a pitcher that has platoon splits will have very extreme platoon splits on the hard stuff that they throw. Because if they're throwing breaking balls, you know, a changeup from a right-handed pitcher is going to run away from a left-handed batter. Left-handed batters get those platoon advantages because they hit the stuff that comes inside. Well, now pitchers are making adjustments. They're throwing more high fastballs away from hitters. They're throwing a lot more changeups. A lot of guys 
adopting changeups here this year or trying to refine their changeups. So platoon advantages maybe aren't going to have as much of an impact. And I think that that's something that I've fallen victim to here this week in the month of August is that I look at a lot of platoon advantage plate appearances. And those are things that are not panning out right now. So that's an adjustment I'm going to have to make. And I don't know if this is just a 2020 adjustment, because like I said, guys just didn't have as many reps getting ready for the season, or if this is a long-term thing because of how pitchers are being instructed to use their arsenals. But that is something that some of these teams may have to take a really deep look at, especially these small market teams that have gotten away with this for a long time. Maybe it's something that won't work out as well, not just this year, but also in the future. So that is something I'm going to have to hone in on a little bit more in my handicapping as well. Injuries continue to mount here. Mike Soroka, Max Scherzer left his start early. Carlos Rodon is back on the shelf. Ozzie Albies, Nick Madrigal comes up for the White Sox, has a nice little first impression, then separates his shoulder. Pirates lose a big bullpen arm in Nick Birdie. Kendall Graveman goes out. Roberto Osuna needs Tommy John for the Astros. Uh, You've got Tim Anderson out. Rich Hill is out. Injuries are mounting once again here. And this is going to be a week-by-week thing in Major League Baseball. They did announce today that they're going to stick with the 28-man rosters, not go down to 26, uh, just, you know, from an injury standpoint, from a COVID standpoint, all of that. But these injury bugs are not going away. You know, we've seen pitchers with velocity drops. We've seen, seen a lot of pitchers with spin rate drops as well. Those are guys that may find themselves on the injured list here sooner rather than later. So again, uh, this rash of injuries making things even more difficult here when it comes to handicapping baseball. Like I said, I got an afternoon commitment here, so I need to kind of get through uh, this edition of the betters box. But for the down the line segment, again, the song remains the same. ERA, FIP, and XFIP discrepancies are still inducing line moves out there in the marketplace. And for right now, a lot of people still going off of 2019 data with that. They'll start to shift to 2020 here after a couple of more starts. But those ERA, FIP, and XFIP discrepancies, always very prevalent out there in the market. Also, we've seen lineup changes, scratches, late pitcher scratches, all those kinds of things. Those will impact the betting markets from a modeling standpoint. The quant crowd really does have a lot of influence in this MLB betting market. So when you get those late scratches, lines are going to move. And again, like I talked about previously, you know, I released that MLB picks and tips article uh, in the morning around 11, 11.30 when I, you know, can actually get it done uh, with all the writing that I do. It's tough to lock in games early in the day here right now because you're getting a lot of those late changes and scratches and stuff like that. Teams being very careful with any guys that you'll have any COVID-related symptoms or any sort of nagging injury because, you know, again, you may need those guys for that stretch run when every game, I mean, every game already matters, but when every game matters just a little bit more. So it's a it's a real challenge out there right now with the betting markets, but, you know, in terms of getting ahead of overnight lines, ERA, FIP, and XFIP stuff, always going to be there. Quick pick for Thursday, the Cubs for the first five for me on the run line. That's Tyler Chatwood against Brad Keller. This was minus half a run, minus $1.20. Chatwood's been great. I'm not totally sold on everything going on with him, but the Royals have only walked in 4.2% of their plate plate appearances to this point in the season. So 
They're not drawing walks. They are a hyper-aggressive offense that should play to Chatwood's strengths as a guy that, you know, does have a walk issue. Brad Keller coming off of the IL. He's making his first start here against the Cubs offense that has leveled off a little bit, but still a pretty good unit there. They draw a lot of walks. Keller's got some walk issues himself. So Cubs' first five on the run line, minus $1.20, is the play for me here for Thursday. Four series to hit on real quickly for the weekend ahead. Astros and A's. Zach Greinke, Chris Bassett Friday. Framber Valdez, Frankie Montas Saturday. Christian Javier and Jesus Lazardo on Sunday. The Astros are just trying to hold on right now. You know, they've got a ton of injuries. Michael Brantley's been out. They've been missing pretty much every able-bodied arm in the bullpen. They've had to call up, you know, half of their taxi squad relievers to come and provide some reinforcements. Uh, We know Verlander's out. McCullers was fine for three innings yesterday, then got blown up in the fourth. His spin rate's down a little bit. He's kind of been all over the place. The Astros have all sorts of issues. The A's are just kind of humming right along right now. They're getting pretty good pitching. They're not getting a whole lot of offense, but they're getting good relief work. They're doing just enough to win their games. They have a chance to make a big statement here this weekend. We'll see if they're able to do it. We'll see if the Astros can rally. But the A's have a golden opportunity here this weekend. On, you know, I guess we'll just see how that one plays out. Diamondbacks and Padres, they've got a rematch already. Luke Weaver, Joey Lucchese Friday. Merrill Kelly, Zach Davies on Saturday. Madison Bumgarner and Chris Paddock on Sunday. Kind of like the Padres a little bit in all three games of this series. Luke is a guy that I do like, even though he hasn't looked great here so far. Luke Weaver's allowed a lot of hard contact to this point. Merrill Kelly allowed a lot of hard contact last year. He got very fortunate with how good his defense played behind him. Zach Davies is a command guy, not necessarily the type of profile that I love to back as a low strikeout guy, but against Kelly with a guy that allows a lot more hard contact than he does, Davies may be a look on Saturday. And then Bumgarner and Paddock on Sunday. Madison Bumgarner is not right. The velocity is down. The spin rates are down. The command is down. The exit velocity, the contact metrics, those have all decreased. Things are not looking good for Madison Bumgarner right now. Don't know what this price will look like on Sunday. Maybe Bumgarner's reputation will keep this price reasonable, but I may end up with a Padres ticket in all three games here of this series against the Diamondbacks. Yankees and the Rays, they start three games at the Trop. Masahiro Tanaka, Blake Snell Friday, Garrett Cole, Tyler Glass now Saturday, James Paxton, Charlie Morton on Sunday. All very, very good pitching matchups here in this series. The dejuiced ball, the Tropicana Park factor, those are things that lower offense. We could see some low-scoring games here in this series. Also, Charlie Morton was not good in his first start. His last two outings have been a little bit better. He's kind of he hasn't really found the velocity yet, but he's kind of making adjustments on the fly to not having all of that velocity. The ball will not carry nearly as well at the trop as it has for the Yankees in some of their other games. So I do think that looks to be a lower scoring series. We'll see how the totals are lined in that one. Finally, Cubs and Cardinals. Look, I mean, I don't know what the hell to do with this series. We'll see John Lester, Alec Mills, and Kyle Hendricks for the Cubs. Probably Adam Wainwright, Jack Flaherty, Dakota Hudson for the Cardinals. But 
the Cardinals on Friday will be playing their first game since July 29th. I don't know what to expect here. That is a substantially long layoff against a Cubs team that's been playing right along. The Cardinals obviously had to make some roster moves based on the guys that got COVID. They lose Carlos Martinez, who's got some of the best stuff on this staff. They already had some bullpen issues from guys being hurt coming into this season. I don't know what to do with this. Again, this is part of such a unique and challenging MLB season, but the Cardinals playing their first game in a week and a half, basically, not it can't be a great spot for them. So I'm curious to see how this is lined. I don't like John Lester. Uh, Alec Mills has pitched really well so far. Probably won't be on Lester in this series, but may find a way to do something Cubs-related or Cardinals team total under or something like that over the course of this series. Like I said, had to keep it short and sweet here with today's show. Still wound up going about 25 minutes here. We'll be back with another edition of the Betters Box on Monday. Keep it tuned over at bangthebook.com for that daily MLB picks and tips piece and all the other content that we have going on as well. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And remember that you will never strike out when you're in the Betters Box.